So that's what makes it so interesting to me that I'm owning the exact same securities that we all chase and we all hear about in the news and that make all the stories up. I own them, but I own them in an environment where they're paying me all the all the dividends, all the returns, all the capital gains are coming to me, 95 percent of them and not uh, going back into the business, so to speak. this episode of Early Bird, Steve Selengut, a retirement income coach. Steve joins the podcast today to talk about closed end funds, including the pros and cons of these types of funds for investors. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Steve, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing fine. Great. We, doing today, fine. We, we are talking about closed and funds. And, and what it means to the stock market here at the end of 2023. But before we get to that, Steve, in about 30 seconds or less, if you could explain who you are and your background to our audience, what, what, what would you say in 30 seconds or less? Um, I've been a professional investment manager pretty much all my life since 1979. I've managed, uh, when I sold my business last year, I had 110 million under management for about 145 different clients, mostly in the United States, but some abroad. Uh, my focus with these people is I've pretty much brought them like myself from the thir- their 30s and 40s into retirement cool. was to create a income environment for them where they'd you know, they'd be income independent. They'd never have to look around and can I do this or can I do that? Their income always exceeded their anticipated expenses. And that's good for yeah. with that background. You're able to take a look at the types of investments that certain investors may want to go after, especially those who want income. Um, and certainly one of those options, Steve, is the closed-end funds. Um, real quick, let's, let's talk about what a closed-end fund is. I'm sure our investors are familiar with um, the, the listeners to the podcast are familiar with what a mutual fund is and how it operates and how it's a collection of different types of investments. But what specifically and real quick, what what is a closed end fund? The uh, the basic, uh, <clears throat> the most interesting difference is, first, let me tell you what the basic similarity is, is that they both contain almost exactly the same securities. Mm-hmm. If they're stocks, they're a stock the same stocks, the same bonds, the same mortgages, the same everything. The difference is that the structure of a closed-end fund is that it's a trust vehicle, meaning uh, it's just like a stock. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's 
the way it's designed legally, it has to return to its shareholders 95% of the income it generates. Uh, a mutual fund doesn't do that, nor does nor do the stocks that are inside the closed-end funds. Um, so that's what makes it so interesting to me, that I'm owning the exact same securities that we all chase and we all hear about in the news and that make all the stories up. I own them, but I own them in an environment where they're paying me all the all the dividends, all the returns, all the capital gains are coming to me, 95% of them, and not uh, going back into the business, so to speak. That's wonderful. That's, that, that, that's, a, that's a good explanation of what it is. And these closed-end funds are available to all investors in the market. Anybody can... Uh, invest in one, purchase one, pretty pretty much. Um, before we get to l- look at these funds in 2023, let's talk about the advantages um, of investing in a closed-end fund. You talked a little bit about that, Steve, regarding um, what you get as an owner of these funds. But w- in a nutshell, let's talk about that. What, what are some of the well, advantages of investing in a closed-end fund versus just a traditional mutual fund? Um, well, they have the same benefits, diversification, certainly. The key, the key element, unlike a mutual fund, which is, uh, is not traded during the day on the exchange. Mm. So if the price, let's say we have one of those 500-point rallies, um, you can't take advantage of that and take a profit in a mutual fund. You have to wait until it opens the next day, really, to sell it. Uh, Closed-end funds trade like stocks on the market. You can you can buy them and sell them anytime you want, um, <clears throat> but the basic the the main the principal difference I think like I said before is the extraordinary amount of income they pay. Um, if you were to look at a hundred different mutual funds, you'd find that the average yield is somewhere in the maybe the if I'm being generous, saying between three and three and a half percent. I have a selection universe of two hundred. Um, of closed end funds that the average yield right now is roughly 10%. Nice. So it's, you know, that's the key difference to yeah. me. Um, yeah. It, it sounds like a great vehicle for income potentially. And uh, of course, for all of our, all, all of our listeners, um, this is, this discussion is just for entertainment purposes only definitely speak to your <laughs> financial advisor before making any investment decisions. You, you mentioned Steve, that a, that a closed end fund trades like a stock. Um, yes. When, when, when I hear that, what comes to my mind is an ETF or an exchange-traded fund. So what, what is the difference between a closed-end fund versus a, an ETF that most people are familiar with? Okay. Other than the same type of difference in the yield that they, they have, the other difference is that there is no attempt, just like a stock, when you buy Amazon or Exxon or any, of the, any company – there's no relationship between the stock price and the book value of that company. Mm. Uh, ETFs, on the other hand, when you buy them, they are traded at or close to their net asset value. And every, t- every night or every morning, whatever, um, the number of shares that are available are adjusted to make the uh, net asset value equal to the price. This is not done in closed-end funds. You can actually buy a portfolio full of uh, mutual funds today at a discount um, from from you know what what their actual net asset value is so that's the key difference between the two the um, there's no there's no attempt to make net asset value and share price the same just like in the real stock market 
Interesting. And so closed-end funds, we talked about those advantages. Obviously, it's great for income and, and there are other benefits that go along with investing in them, but there are also some risks. There are disadvantages. Um, Steve, what, what are some of the, the disadvantages of investing in a closed-end fund? The, uh, and <clears throat> this may be a surprise answer, they are um, interest rate sensitive securities. I think most of your less listeners know that high dividend paying stocks like um, utility stocks, for example, are very, very sensitive price-wise to expectations about interest rates. Uh, Closed-end funds triple that sensitivity. They are so, so sensitive. Um, so as interest rates have risen, the prices have gone down. The, the, the element, though, that's important is that the securities inside don't change the amount of dividends or interest that they pay just because their price is lower. Uh, they're contractual. And most stocks also in closed-end funds, they, they have not um, you know, reduced their dividends during this period of, of high interest rates and low stock prices either. So the income remains the same, but the price goes down to reflect the nature of um, interest rate sensitivity. I, I uh, liken it to the, the scales of justice. If interest rates are expected to go up, prices go down. If interest rates are expected to go down, prices go up. And you know that's going to happen. You know that's going to happen with any interest-sensitive security. So it, 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 the issue here is interest, and that certainly is a, a, an issue, a disadvantage potentially with a closed-end fund. Well, what about leverage? Um, closed-end funds, I'm told, also use leverage at times, and isn't that also a risk with investing in them? It, 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 it's no bigger risk than uh, when, you're, when a stock uh, company goes out and borrows money to build a new factory. Instead of building a new factory, the, the manager of a closed-end fund is buying more securities, and he's not going to borrow money at 3% if he can't invest in securities that are paying more than 3%. I mean, he's a manager. It's not, um, it's not a robot here. You know, We've got a manager, just like when interest rates were uh, just two years ago, when interest rates were near zero, many of us... Um, went out and looked at, um, um, you know, uh, home, lo home loan line of credits because we could, we could borrow money at 2% and invest it at, at 10%, you know? So it's just like, it's the same relationship. Uh, it's risky to borrow money. It's more risky to borrow money, I'd say, in the uh, regular capital markets than it is for a closed-end fund manager. He doesn't have to borrow money if he can't get a better yield. Whereas somebody who's running a corporation, he's got to borrow money if he wants, sometimes just if he wants to pay his employees. So it's a big difference. A lot of people um, think uh, that that risk makes them go down more quickly uh, than other types of security. But that's really interest rate expectations at work, as opposed to the, the short-term the short borrowing, really. No. When we return, we'll hear from Steve about the top closed-end funds to watch out for in 2023. But first, let me tell you how you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks. 
cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So, Steve, today we are talking about closed-end funds, and we've already discussed the pros and cons of investing in them. Let's talk about closed-end funds in 2023. Um, I'm sure there are several that you can talk about right now. I'm curious to see how um, those closed-end funds have performed versus the larger market. The NASDAQ, for example, is up 35% this year, and the, and the S&P 500 is up over 17% so far. Um, what are some of your closed-end funds that you like to keep an eye on well, in 2023, and how have they performed versus the larger market? Well, let me say one thing first. Although those the S and P and the Nasdaq are up this year, certainly they're still behind. They're still below by five percent and ten percent, respectively. Uh, their all-time high in January of 2021. Mm -hmm. So yes, they're up. No, they're not. Uh, closed-end funds are not up this year, not at all. And however, they're still paying all the all the income. So we've been adding 10% to our capital base for these two years. Okay, thus and reinvesting that 10% that at 10%. So we've been growing the capital in our portfolios at a high rate where the stock market is still below where it was over two years ago. Oh, and that's how the, that's performance. That's performance. People who are in the stock market over this period of time, and I'm sure many of your listeners are not retirees, uh, but they're all aware of the uh, premise that 4% is what you're going to be taking from your portfolio mm -hmm. uh, when you retire. That money has come out of selling securities because the market wasn't going up 4% per year. So they've been dipping into capital for two years, whereas um, closed-end fund investors have been adding to capital during this two-year period. So capital has grown. And for me, that's kind of performance that, I, that I'm looking for. I'm looking for growth in income and growth in capital. And as one ages, those things become more and more important to them. I see. I see how that could certainly be important to an investor. Um, what, what are some of your favorite closed-end funds that the average investor should definitely consider? Yeah. At, 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 here we are, you know, late 2023. What, what, <laughs> okay. what, 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 well, are, what are some examples that you have? Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the three, I'll talk, mention the three examples that I included in my book. Sure. And can I mention the name of my book? Sure. Uh, Retirement Money Secrets. It's available any place you buy books. And it's, it talks about, it is a CEF-based um, methodology. But there are three of them. And um, <clears throat> two of them are, fo are focused on income and one is focused on equities. And... I'm looking at the chart of uh, KIO, which is one of them. And this is, you know, I'm not recommending KIO. This is out of a book that was mm -hmm. was written a year ago. And I'm, I'm just saying that if you look at their distribution history over the past 10 years, the distribution has almost been the same every year, except in four of those years where it paid extra dividends. Mm. 
Okay. Uh, similarly with uh, Gabelli, uh, and Gabelli is a big company. Everybody's heard of Mario Gabelli. Gabelli, I'm sure. His company specializes in closed-end funds, and he's one of the biggest one of the biggest number of closed-end funds in his company. And and this is an 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 equity fund. And over the last well, actually since 1993, the the total income it's paid out each each year has gone down a little bit from uh, a 26 six cent distribution to maybe a, an 18 cent distribution over those years, mainly as a result of during that period of time, the interest rates were so low actually. Um, and, but it's paid special dividends on 15 occasions to make more than make up for the difference. And then the third one, I had in the book was a corporate a corporate bond fund called it's Pimco and Pimco is another name household name right in the investment business. Mm -hmm. uh, BlackRock is another one. Uh, First Trust Company. A mm -hmm. lot of these major companies uh, operate closed end funds and never advertise. Yeah. And what, they never the third advertise. one is what? And the third one is uh, PCN. Pimco Corporate and Income Strategy. And this one, if you look at if you go to a place called uh, cefconnect.com, you can study the four or 500 different closed-end funds. And this one has paid the same base dividend since 2002 and on several occasions has paid extra dividends as well. And that's from a bond fund. Mm. So if you, if you look at the overall risk picture of securities, I think everyone knows from, you know, uh, uh, mm -hmm. basic economics and, and business management that um, on the on the risk um, ladder, corporate stock uh, mm -hmm. of a company is more risky than corporate bonds of the same company. So here we have a uh, a uh, yeah. bond portfolio that's paying you know extra dividends because the bonds are doing so well. So that's this is the kind of performance that over the long run, if you if you look at the long run gains in the S and P or the Nasdaq or even the Dow, you're not going to see ten percent averages. You're going to see maybe five or six percent averages in the long run of growth in market value, and that's that's including the dividends that are paid by the stocks inside. Oh. Whereas the same um, the same record for closed end funds is much higher. I see. Um, if if I can give one more example, if you'd like, and sure. it's in the book as well. <clears throat> I took we took a uh, a portfolio of just ten closed end funds, which mm -hmm. also is not a recommendation, um, and we compared it with both SPY, which is the S and P five hundred index mm -hmm. fund, and BND, which is the uh, uh, one of the big bond out outfits, and in three measures, market value growth over a twenty year period. Um, amount of capital depleted over a 20 month, 20 year period. And the third one was total payments, you know, total income received. And every yes. one of those, the CEF portfolio outperformed the stock or the bond portfolios oh, themselves wow. by, by a wide, wide margin. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's very clear in the long run span of things that, an income-focused portfolio 
is going to do better. And the excitement is stock. Don't get me wrong. I, I grew up with stocks. I yeah, mean, yeah. my <laughs> when I when I got started on my own portfolio, mm-hmm. I mean, I. I, I had a portfolio of stocks that I grew and grew and grew until I pretty much reti- retired and started my own business when I was when I was 34 years old mm-hmm. because of my trading in the stock market. And I owned all those. At that time, there, there was no tech sector except for IBM okay, mm-hmm. and GE. Those, those were the tech giants. And, and, but days. stocks are st- were still, I get it. I, I totally get it. The st- stocks are just still important at that time, you're saying. Right, and they're they're every bit as much as important today, but I use but I own them. I still own them. They're inside these closed end funds. Interesting. Every if you have a small portfolio, let's yeah. say you're just getting started and you've got yeah. twenty thousand, you got twenty thousand dollars. That's your investment portfolio. Oh wow! You can't go you can't go out and put it all into one stock. That would be foolish. And if you spread it around between ten stocks, then you have such a small amount invested. That you're even if it goes up twenty percent, you're really not going to make out, you know, and it's not paying you any income. Good, good but, point, Steve. Like ex- excellent can, point. You can own them all Ex- in a couple closed-end funds and be diversified and have the income coming in as well mm-hmm. and plow back that income and you're 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 compounding your interest and and we all know how how much. Um, compounding interest is in yeah. a factor of growing it, it really is growing well steve <laughs> thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts about closed-end funds and what investors should look for uh giving a few examples we really do appreciate that really insightful before we, we wrap up today's uh podcast i just have one final question for you steve and that's the most important question for today's discussion that question for you steve is if you could instantly become an expert in something, what would it be? Uh, making women happy 100% of the time after 50 odd years of marriage. <laughs> that would be a great thing to be an expert in, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again to Steve Selengut for sharing your insights on closed end funds. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day. Mm